Hello and welcome to Everyday Journal number 95, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our new patrons, Evan Miller, Sebastian Hollager, Ossimandias17, as well as Matthew Hackbart, who increased his pledge last month. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being with us tonight. Matt, Callum, how's it going? Like, how did you live one of the most explosive days in legacy history? Ah, just, ah, it was, it's, it's everything I want. We're, we're going to skip past the what has everyone been up to lately, aren't we? Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like, <laughs> my entire day like, has been like sitting there. I even downloaded a script that automatically updates the website where yeah, there's supposed yeah. to be the. Yeah, it's this is I, this has been my entire day. I, I was, just I was posting so a picture waiting for of this. like a broken F5 button around loads of chats, just like yeah, this is. Yeah, people were telling me I was actually like crashing the servers and I should stop doing, but I think I, I don't have those powers yet. Um, yeah. I probably need like a couple more computers to do that. Like, yeah. maybe we can DDoS the the Versace website. <laughs> I'll be honest. I woke up this morning like kind of feeling a huge amount of anxiety today which i don't usually have i'm usually pretty calm in the mornings and all the time up until because it, it hits around 4 p.m uk time and the whole day i was just like god i just feel like they're not going to do anything properly I, and legacy is going to drag on for a bit longer and i was really worried that they would nuke the other formats and just like kind of tweak legacy or something but um wow they delivered in spades uh what do you guys think as well then na 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 that's I I am quite excited because guess what, it's Rhino time. Oh yeah. yeah I, <laughs> okay, I guess that's the kind of deck that that Anorak always keeps talking about in our chats when he says, "Hey, people are gonna try to bring back the dead decks and they're gonna be surprised." And every time I'm like, I actually have no idea which. Like it make it sounds smart, but then I'm like, I actually don't know which kind of deck he would be talking about in the first mm-hmm. place. And I'm like, okay, here comes Matt, Mr. Rhino. Okay. <laughs> like, I, Oko was a real problem, and Ice Fang Kotal was a real problem. <laughs> and these were just, and of course, you can just play all the Abrupt Decays in the world, and then they play Veil of Summer, and you're just like, my life is miserable. And then you're just like, well, I guess I'm going to play Enchantress, and well, you know, it'll be not so fun for everyone. And then, well, now it's going to be fun for me again. And they mm-hmm. banned Dreadhorde Arcanist, right? So I'm like... Or did Which I is a good point. That? I, I just realized we haven't actually said what's happened. So, um, we should give do a, that, yeah. <laughs> to give a quick breaking rundown, news, I mean, everyone. Breaking we're, news. We're too excited. So, they uh, basically nuked all the formats, um, but we'll concentrate on the ones that matter because this is the biggest BNR announcement I th- I'm pretty sure ever. Like, and with huge. that, we're going to announce Pioneer has banned. I don't even know. Yeah. So, <laughs> Legacy, Arkans Astral Labor's banned, Dreadhood Arcanist is banned, Oko Thief of Crowns is banned. And additionally to that, um, they made made a rules change to the cascade ability so the two i didn't read of that is you cannot cascade into the tibble planeswalker anymore perfect um, i guess the, 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 to, 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 without getting too technical the way it works is it works intuitively now like it doesn't like it also the way they fix it is like super sweet because it's like such a minor technical thing but the thing that people need to take away is cascade works the way you would think it worked if you just played legacy for like half a year or something like it's, yeah, it's, it's intuitive and it makes sense because because you can actually still cascade into the second half but you can only do that if the second half's mana cost is less as well which it, it's again makes fix. intuitive sense yeah totally and um i think this was almost like a written one everyone expected this because it was such bullshit <laughs> so um this was like kind of locked in and no one was really worried about it but people were expecting an oko ban um but based on their so where this whole hype came from was last week they had a secret layers announcement and in the secret layers announcement there was a secret layer with uro uh, titan of nature's wrath <laughs> in and they put an addendum saying um this card is going to be banned in pioneer historic and modern 
as I, I really like that they did that like even though it made a whole week of like a, a lamed up formats and stuff um it's such a feel bad if people pre-order it and then the card is banned so i agree really i agree that's a nice that. move for them to not basically yeah. say switcheroo fuck so, you yeah so, so you're basically saying there was a secret layer to the secret layer because like <laughs> oh <they> a layer, <laughs> layer levels yeah. jerry levels uh, Maybe, so, maybe we can read even more between the lines. Maybe they're going to unbend Black Lotus now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think mean, they didn't vintage, right? At these the, prices? The cat is coming back. So yeah, Lurus of the Dream Den is unbanned in vintage. This is, um, I mean, so it's the first card to ever ban in vintage, and it's the first card to ever be unbanned in vintage. The, the Lurus thing is amazing because we will get into the proper wording of the article soon, which I am a massive fan of. But they basically said, we're unbanning Lurus, and we banned it because it's the only way to actually stop the card. We're unbanning it as a test. We're seeing if it's okay, and we are keeping an eye on it. I love that they say that because it leaves no like doubt in people's mind of, you know, oh my god, if it's way too good, we're just stuck with it forever. It's it's a it's a hands-on approach wizards of the coast is listening to people and they are willing to unban or ban things so maybe this sets a really good precedent to unban more things in legacy which people have been wanting for ages maybe they unban earthcraft survival survival, survival. <laughs> i think we have some survival fans on this uh, podcast I, uh, I could be wrong you, you know what's funny about survival um for, for the longest of times i could get on board with not unbanning for example survival because it would be too expensive, right? I, I don't yes. even know. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a place had set you back like a thousand or something. But with like what legacy has become monetary wise, like I, I, I don't know. And if you could get to play with it online, I've changed. Like I've hated it when Survivor was banned. Then after a while, I was like, uh, I guess I can see it from a financial standpoint. But now I'm like, fuck it, unban it, do it. We played it in, in Legacy Unchained, and even though that format was more powerful than normal Legacy, fuck it, bring back Survival. Yeah, I mean, so I, I would love that because it really does say that, you know, they are, um, again, like I said, we'll get into the, the wording of the article in a minute, but, um, you know, it, it just says that they are listening to public outcry or lack of outcry or anything like that. They are listening to people and they're willing to take a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a different road and see how things are. So, And I think we'll they're also we... basically saying like, hey, if you decide to buy Japanese foil lures of the Dream Den and it gets banned again, don't bitch and complain because we told you so. So yes. like, yeah. maybe like <laughs> semi-pimp your way there and then yeah. see how it goes. Yes, definitely. Very important. So um, for those that do want to play with these cards, the effective date is today. Um, I've heard that people are playing in, in leagues um, with these cards still, but hopefully it'll be updated soon. The Cascade rules effective uh, in, in two days on February the 17th so you do have to deal with Valky if you're playing online um, for the next day or two Maybe take when some time off out, you have kids take some time yeah. off yeah exactly enjoy it just uh, relax and enjoy the time so um, we'll get into what is what is our first impressions like um, as I said the language used in the article is is something different they're trying to make it a fun format it's, it's like I'm paraphrasing but they said they with the um, with the COVID restrictions and lack of tabletop play to put it in their words or paper play um there's just this like hyper focused attention of you know more winning more in legacy rather than playing what you enjoy about the format and it compressed the results so much into like tuning these uh these decks and stuff and it led to unfun play patterns from the snooker and the delver decks because the cards were too good and not very fun so they've said that the win rates of snoko and delver weren't like high enough to get a band like normal um in the past bnrs they've cited win rates in addition to saying that it has a good matchup against too many of the other decks in the format but this time they specifically said it's not they're not too good but 
the unfun play patterns and the lack of diversity are the reasons for these bannings. So what do you guys think of that? I think that's the best thing you could really do. Like that's basically what people have been asking for. And I always get so pissed when like people doesn't generously say, oh, but it's it's not too powerful. Why would you ban it? Like, yeah, come on. Like this is not the argument in the first place. And this is what Wizards has been following with this ban. Like as well, I think somewhat of a precedent was kind of set a little bit with Mental Misstep because... I mean, Mental Mister was pretty much everyone was super powerful, but I think even more than how good Mental Mister was was the idea that it really fucks up gameplay. Like it, it's just generally across the board, it, it it makes magic less enjoyable. And I think even more so with these cards that that's that's the thing. I think an, another thing where this played a role was, with, for example, Gitexian Probe. Gitexian Probe also took away like a huge aspect of the game, and I'm not even talking about bluffing. Like when people talk about bluffing. I think they way overestimate like how important and how rarely it actually is good to bluff. But just like the the mental game of repre- like representing something is different from bluffing something. When you bluff something, you you like you put your game on the line. Whereas if you represent something, it's more like you're jousting for position and and like almost like a chess match. And that yeah, that, that that's another precedent. But I, I really like that they called this out here because that's basically the number one argument why a lot of people wanted to see these cards gone. It's not like everybody wanted to see these cards gone. That that's like voices who wanted to keep all of those around. But in the end, it's not like by not making a decision, as in like not banning them, you're not making a choice. You're still making a choice even if you don't ban them, because then you're saying, okay, I guess we should just keep them around. And I really like that Wizards has been following this philosophy of, okay, people think this is like really fucked up gameplay, and lose me with that like silent majority thing that's like creeps up all over the world <laughs> these days when people <laughs> yeah, are like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, but actually like everybody likes Oko, it's just like you guys, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I I'm I'm thinking very similarly to Julian here. I mean, that's why you're you, on the podcast, man. You're here to you. support me. The echo chamber is very important. Um, Checks in the mail. Uh, so, what we have to think about is, yeah. So what's what's the actual cutoff, right? Is it like, oh, it needs to have a win rate of fifty five percent? If it only hits fifty three percent, it's not good enough. Well, well, obviously not. Does that two percent really make the difference, or is it the gameplay and there are fewer people playing, etc.? Like, I would say that I have quote-unquote heard of many people being um very upset with oko and these snowco decks and it's just miserable to play against etc etc i mean obviously you have to use both metrics you can't just say oh i don't like playing against pox we should really ban smallpox and enough people complain about smallpox smallpox will get banned i think obviously they have to they have to look at the data as well as how players are feeling about it but as long as they're doing that instead of just looking at the data like they used to be i'm perfectly happy with that yeah, the thing is, like, if, if there's a deck that's that's really miserable to play against, but it's not good, then the way you ban it is just to, like, you kick its ass every time and you laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. Like my Shahrazad Fork deck that I was playing a while back with, like, <laughs> Time Elemental. And the, anyway, it was it was a crazy, yeah. terrible deck. But anyway, the point was, it was just designed to go into subgames. But anyway. Yeah, and it's not, it's not like these decks are not doing well as well. They are, like, I mean, if you look at the results of just last weekend, Rugdelva <laughs> oh, was, like, moly. 15, 16 of the top 32, and the Turbo Valkyrie decks were everywhere. And I know they are pretty consistent, like, based on... um. So Joe X Falrath has been doing loads of work to um get all the data from the challenges and all the big events. So shout out to him for doing that, because it's fantastic. He's a legacy treasure. Yeah, yeah, completely. He really is. So um, thank you so much, Joe, for doing that. I'm sure everyone is you know, thankful for it. And his crew. Like, he's got so many people working. Like, like not working for him for money, I guess, but working <laughs> yeah. for his project. So yeah, shout out to all of those people. They don't get anything for it, but just um, 
the feedback should be great. recognition on the everyday channel podcast i mean come on there we if go, you want to like have like is there a reason why we don't have any ads because our rates are so high so if we give somebody a <laughs> shout out that's easily a couple thousand dollars it's actually more expensive than a super bowl slot but don't don't put that out too much <laughs> yeah it's true it's true but um these these decks were pretty consistently like 50 55 percent win rates i would gander it's somewhere in the middle there like they cited the red and six delver decks as having 55 percent win rate which um honestly sounded a bit low for them but that's that's the numbers they gave so uh, i i doubt this is much less honestly so um yeah, the biggest thing about Ren and Six was that they said it, it has like a favorable matchup against the top ten most played decks, other than Ren and Six. I think it which, was like the top nine out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, right, and and like if it, it, that that leads to an insane expected win percentage across the tournament, and yeah, that's that's Absolutely. why it had to, they, ever since then people has been have been citing that fifty five percent win percentage, but I, I really think it's important to put it into context of that being against the top nine decks because if you yeah that's yeah, if that's your win percentage is against mill or turbo stasis or something like that like that's not really a relevant metric to use dude mill, mill oh, is pox. amazing i've been doing a couple <laughs> of like patreon streams of mill and those are those are great mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> i guess we have to go through and like go through the winners and losers of this whole thing and what this really all means for the format so like i don't know like callum what do you think about like what does this actually mean like these bands what do you expect to see going forward yeah, I mean, it's going to be like, it's hard to say because it's just like, it's so different. It's amazing how much of a stranglehold all these cards had on diversity, mostly. Um, one of my personal biggest grudges, which I always told friends when I said I was not happy with the format, was the homogeneity of like all the decks together. Like Astrolabe made it so e- I mean, Astrolabe was the one that surprised me on this span announcement, honestly. Like, I'm happy it's gone. This is actually, I'm more happy than I expected to be with it gone. Um, but I didn't like that all the deck, all the mid-range and control decks came together. Like Oko and Uro were just the best uh, mid-range threats and uh, end games. Uh, Oak, um, Astrolabe let you play all the um, the source power shares into the Pyroblast, into the Abrupt Decay, just everything. But now I'm really hoping we see like Grixis control come back and Miracles or Blue-White Standstill or Sharkstill come back. Back to ever. Bug Delver could come. Like, yeah, I mean, there's all these things, like all these different Jund? colors, and Jund could. I okay, mean, let's let's not too crazy here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I agree. Like, I think what will end up happening yeah. instead of the homogeneity of having all these different mid range and control decks coming together, I think they will start to really suss each other apart again. I think we really will start to see these differences in colors and card choices. So, like, you will have the punishing fire decks will come back, right? And you won't mm-hmm. have these like four color terrible decks uh, without because remember, like Deathrite Shaman is has been banned so like i think for a long time since 2012 people relied on death red shaman right and then death red shaman got banned and of course then astrolabe got printed so astrolabe kind of filled that gap a little bit but now there's neither of those right so i think it's very will we see prophetic prism make a run at the format (laughs) yeah maybe not you know what I like? They in, in their reasoning by the band, the stuff they they cite several times. For example, with Okodeka, say that generally homo gen. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> homo genesis. Come on, you can't tell me that you know how to pronounce that word. It ha- generally homogenizes gameplay patterns in a way that's counter to the spirit of the format. Hell yeah! Fuck you. That's it. Also, they say traditionally legacy deck builders need to make choices. Yes. 
It leads to less metagame diversity, yes. Too many games come down to whether an opponent can immediately remove it. Speaking of Dreadnought Arcanist, yes. That's all the fucking yeah. stuff I've been talking about. And especially like with Dreadnought Arcanist, whenever Maybe. I say I want advantages to be less granular. And that always means like you can't snowball away. And with Dreadnought Arcanist, you, like Dreadnought Arcanist is the ultimate snowball card. Like we, we had stuff like green mana battery and white mana battery and stuff. But like, fuck that. That, that hasn't been a thing in like 50 years. I don't know. Dreadhold going is my absolute dream. Like, I mean, we've we've not hidden it on this podcast that we've thought it's like the best and most oppressive card in the format for a long time. And this is why all of the outcry has mostly been against Oko, Labe, and Uro to a lesser extent. But I think we've pretty pushed that Dreadhold is the most oppressive card. And it is the card that made me just not really enjoy playing the format. And it's just like every time you're especially on the draw and they just play it turn two, you're just like, fuck, what do I do? This thing is just ridiculous. So, um... Yeah, yeah, it was I, crazy. Like, you were happy funny. if you got dazed on your first turn because that meant your opponent couldn't play Dreadnought Argonauts yes, in the second it's turn. Insane. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, mean, yeah. I, th- I think it's just nuts. I, th- I think that card is too much. But anyway. Yeah. What do I also think is going to happen is, I mean, for a lot of people, playing artifacts was almost a liability in the Oko metagame, right? You're like, oh, I've got this Trump and it's like Ensnaring Bridge or it's, or it's Trinisphere or whatever. And then they play Oko and you're like, well, fuck my life. Well, I guess that kind of fucking happens. So Oko made Bridge just like a joke because they play it and then they just keep making Elks until they have enough lethal exactly. and they just Elk the Bridge. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So so I, I can definitely <laughs> see like a lot more artifact-based strategies. So like there was the uh, the Tezzerator deck is actually, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a good deck, but I'm saying like you can actually play that deck without being laughed at. And mm-hmm. you can now play cards like Ensnaring Bridge and Trinisphere and Chalice of the Void and all these other cards that are now Anthopter Foundry. Just saying. And see, I think that's that's the level one. That's the level one that's going to happen. Like all these cards, like Blood Moon, whether it's uh, or Ensnaring Bridge, whatever, Chalice of the Void, those things are inherently better because their biggest foe is going to be gone. And I think that's just the level one. I think the next level is that we're just going to go back to playing decks that don't mind those cards too much. Like, if your deck literally can't beat Ensnaring Bridge, what the fuck, you still have to deal with it. Previously, we had Oko. Now we gotta, like, get a, make a little more conscious choices about how we build our decks and what about our sideboards. You still gotta... Like. You still gotta Brock think... Yeah, you, you still gotta Brock which is probably, like, the premier removal of the... Like, I mean... Honestly, like, Oko probably was actually the premier remove of the format, which is kind of mm-hmm, crazy. Definitely. But, uh, like, that, that, there's not many enchantments you would, were going to hit with a property K anyway. Like, all the ones you care about cost, like, four mana. <laughs> but well, I guess a property K, but that's kind of hard to hit unless you float mana. So I, I think that those cards that Matt mentioned are going to be more relevant again, like, no doubt. But I also think, especially, like, stuff like Chalice and stuff, I think... I don't know, in my head, Chalice has always been this niche card that's not I, I know that for many people it's it's considered like almost a pillar of the format but to me that's never been really the case with chalice i always like look at chalice as a thing that's it's around and the people who want to play it gonna play it but everybody's got their ways around chalice unless mm-hmm. you're literally playing i don't know 2009 rock diver or, or i guess we call it canadian threshold back then and even then you probably have some ways but mm-hmm. so so yeah i'm i mean Maybe I'm too hopeful, but I think that we're going to see a lot more different mid-range formats decks going on. Uh, I'm not too crazy to think that like actual aggro decks are going to come back because those are just generally always kept out by how good combo is and also by potentially Maverick. But I think by now like that, that that's just like the bigger thing that combo is mm. so good against actual aggro decks. But those are not going to come back. But everything else, oh, we're, we're going to see a rejuvenation of so many legacy decks, and I'm so excited for it. It's like seriously, so fucking excited. I'm same, very same. excited as well. So real, realistically, so Callum, let's go through with the losers. Who are the who's the biggest loser here, or the biggest losers? Yeah. So let's get some of the easy ones out of the way first, because 
there are some obviously so the Turbo Valky deck was around for like a week or whatever. Um with are the you really calling it Turbo Valky? Come oh, on. sorry, Turbo Tybalt. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I've just written it wrong. <laughs> I actually had a friend have a go at me in a chat earlier this morning for naming it wrong. So this is my uh, second strike. One more and I'm out, but I don't think I'll get there. Turbo Tybalt. Um, yep, yeah, that's just dead. Fine. Good riddance. Um, one of the most hilarious losers is Pokepile, which um, Jax put a picture <laughs> on Twitter earlier. And he just said, like, this is Pokepile um, with the announcement. It was just like 20 lands, nothing else. <laughs> 20 lands and a bunch of cantrips yeah exactly so um yeah that kind of, that, that gameplay of stifle you into snowbally threat is pretty much gone so i think that deck i mean jeff will probably jeff jeff is a great deck builder he'll probably uh go towards some either miracles based thing or just some control mid-range deck and they they will exist but um that deck feels pretty dead i'm imagining uh, him to turn into some kind of Mm, Esper Wild guy, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's too many creatures for him. Mm, I, I think there'll be some still very good mid range decks, and like I think there's going to be some good Esper decks or Grixis or you know, there's well equipment. Men- let's let's talk about the good stuff after. Let's go. Let's keep going through the losers first. Then we'll talk cool, about yeah. all the winners. That, that's what Matt is here for. He wants to like put down the <laughs> losers. All right, so let's get the the big one out of the way. Rug Delver. This deck is. I mean, it's just lost its two best threats. So Delver is no doubt still going to exist. It always will be. It's always going to be good while the card Delver and Days and Wasteland exist. I think it's going to... It's pushed back to basically pre-War of the Spark where it was not the best deck. This is when Blue-White Stoneblade won the GP in the hands of Daniel Gertschel. This is when Delver really was like a tier 1.5 deck, which it hasn't been in that spot many times in the format. Um, Yeah, so this is the first big loser the second big loser is obviously snowco without astrolabe fixing all the colors and oko being the premier threat obviously control mid-range will exist but in very very different guises so um yeah these two i'm pretty happy to say like the rug delvey as we know it which was just a mid-range deck it wasn't the tempo deck that we equate delver with and these uh, four or five color Snoko kind of decks, they are pretty much gone, which is such a huge change to the format and the metagame because they were the top two decks of the format and have been for like a long time. I mean, people were saying, you know, just adjust to the metagame, whatever, but they have been the best decks for a good part of a year. So yeah, <laughs> huge losers. Moving on, we're going to like think of some actual cards. So one card I think is hit because of the Astrolabe ban, especially is Mystic Sanctuary. It's not been played that much, so it's not like a, a huge change in the metagame. And I think it's still okay to play in the right shells. Um, like standstill decks could play it, or miracles. I could see it as a one-off on like blue green, blue green uh, shanto. Yes, definitely. Yeah, but um, without like you, you can't just go island, 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 and then you're casting all your <laughs> lightning bolts and source of power shares off your astral. You're casting la- ball lightning off triple island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Or like abrupt decay off your two islands and stuff. So. Um, disgusting it, <laughs> it comes with some very real debt building costs um another loser i think well it's it's kind of a loser and it's kind of a winner is ice fan quattle it wasn't seeing that much play actually towards the end it was basically in no snowco lists or sometimes one or two um ice fang without astrolabe means that it's not getting death touch until turn three at the earliest um realistically i think it's going to be turn four it depends how your mana set up um it's very hard to tell if there's really enough to make these uh, fair decks be in green, unless you're like a more dedicated green deck with stuff like Greens and Zenith and Noble Hierarch and stuff. Oh, I'll tell you all about it. Don't you worry. Okay, we'll get there in a minute. 
It's funny you mentioned Icewind Kotal as a potential loser because like my first thought was, oh, th all those decks who used to play like two Icewind Kotals, they're going to go back to playing four now. It could That's, be, yeah. There's going to be fewer decks who are going to be able to play it because mostly like control decks or mid-range uh, Like blue mid-range control decks don't really want green all that much. Um, but if they do, they, they get Whale, which is probably like, honestly, like, oh, oh, oh I guess we're going to talk about the winners later on, okay? <laughs> but Icewind Kotal, it's like with a format shifting back to like more creature focus, I think Icewind Kotal could be like a big thing. It was embarrassing versus Arcanist, so... Yeah, it could, it could be a winner. This one's up in the air. I think it, I think it lost some points and it gained some points. So actually, it's probably neutral. It's more um, like Dogecoin, do Dogecoin, Dogecoin, Dogecoin. Dogecoin. I don't even know. It's it's kind of funny. Like Elon Musk hyped it up and then he put it down the next day, and now everybody doesn't know. But like apparently, like all the cryptocurrencies now work according to the the, the gospel. Oh, he, of he Elon hyped Musk. it up again today. So, <laughs> the um, guy is a little bit of a shithead, but I love him for the No, obviously, you, you, you shit on it, and then he buys a bunch, and he's like, this is amazing. And that's exactly. how, I mean, this is just like... Anyway. Um, right, so I, I'm shitty on Quattle, so I'm just going to buy them all up, and then, yeah. Exactly. And now <laughs> and the you're, pitch you're count. Like so what about, profit. what about the pitch counter spells? Yeah, this is huge. Um, Force of Will, this is, goes back to like the old accepted thing where like Force of Will is bad in... Villain's uh, Craft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The German force of will is bad in the fair matchups because going down a card is a real cost. And what stopped that being a real cost was Oko was uh, not strictly card advantage, but it was like worth spinning a card on because it's so powerful to land. And Richard Arcanist just like snowballed and got you the cards back. Without Arcanist especially, force of will and force of negation lose a lot of power. There's still incredible cards in the format, no doubt. And there'll be plenty of decks playing them. They're still very good with Uro um, because obviously you can just like throw extra ones away and you draw a card when it attacks. But they really have lost a lot. So I think this is going to be like a huge sigh of relief for anyone playing spells that you don't want to get counted, <laughs> I guess. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? Yeah, this this goes back to what what I said earlier about uh, oh god I keep repeating myself about that people are gonna like make a meme out of it I want the advantages, advantages to be yeah less granular a uh, more granular and that's basically the the gist of it right if if you have dreaded arcanist if you get like the the unit is tempo and by tempo I mean a turn in this case and if you can trade off like your turn for a card. But then you untap and you get more than a card in return because usually like getting to resolve a ponder for free is like worth more than a card. You're ex it's it just doesn't make sense. And that's why pitch counters were so good. You basically traded off the card the card you pitched for keeping your thing around that basically gave you like more than a random card from the top. And that's just like why it was so good and that why everybody hated it. Because people like previously, if, if, if your opponent played like Tarmogolf on turn two, and you play Abrupt Decay, and okay, Abrupt Decay is a bad example. You play a removal spell, Terror, on it, like Swords Plowshares, whatever, and your opponent Force of Worlds that you usually feel like, oh, that's actually good for me. With Dreaded Arcanist, at best you're breaking even, and that's why it's so fucked up and why pitch counters are losing a lot. And at least in these kinds of decks, like I, I, I'm not even sure if they're still gonna play six pitch counters in the main and in, in those rock Deva kind of decks. It's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on which kind of threat they choose. If they're gonna go more mid rangey or if they're gonna go super hard, like picking up stifle and stuff mm -hmm. again, which could be a thing. Uh, I could see that. I could see the stifle coming back. I could see yeah, more old school like Tarmogoyf, Nibble Mongoose, Delver, like just just tried and true, two thousand nine, nothing special. Let's get this done. So I guess we're gonna have Java. <laughs> yeah, but uh, by the way, shoutouts to our friend um, Daniel Gutschel, who recently played like a, a ancient Ice Age whatever uh, Deva list uh, through a league, and I think he went like four and one, just hey, playing uh, all um, the old cards from ten years ago. Nimble Mongoose is in the top eight of the challenge yesterday. 
Or was it? Yeah. Your boy is preparing for today's announcement. It was a Japanese player. I've forgotten the name, I'm afraid. But uh, they knew. They were just preparing. Well, that makes sense because they live like plus six from us or, or like plus eight time zone wise. That makes sense. They, they yep, already yep. knew about In it. In the future. So, so the real winners. So, I mean, obviously having played less legacy than both of you gentlemen, I'm kind of almost going back in time to be like, when was I playing a lot more? And those are really the winners, right? It's we're going back in time to find them. So, in my personal opinion, winner number one, not I, not in terms of importance, but in terms of my favorite, Siege Rhino, obviously. So we'll get that out of the way first. <laughs> well, okay. let's talk about oh. let's talk about what, uh, where are you going to play Siege Rhino? What's it going to do? Nick Fed, obviously. Okay, we're going to put you on the spot, yeah. Matt. Where yep. is Siege Rhino going to show up again? Is it going to be the sideboard tech for Ad Nauseam? Uh, it could be, but I'm going to just play, I'm going to go back to playing more in the main board because the biggest nice. problem that you ever had with any of these, like in the main board, dude, we're, we're talking about which kind of, we're losing all of our street crutch here. If you keep talking <laughs> about this illusionary deck that apparently plays Siege Rhino. <laughs> I'm just, okay. We'll say just like big, dumb creatures. Right. But we'll get back to that. I just want to say Dunkle Mitweiser. Isn't that what Pioneer is about? <laughs> I I don't know I you're 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 talking to the wrong person up behind here. Um, Dark I'm, not even, I'm not even entirely positive that Matt knows what the pioneers are format. <laughs> Pretty sure it's like a way of life, but anyway. Um, I mean, Dark Confidant. I, I, I want to yeah. talk. I want to talk about Dark Confidant. Can we talk about Dark Confidant? Mm-hmm. I want Dark Confidant. Somebody has to. Somebody has to. So, gentlemen, Oko's gone. I can play a two mana creature that maybe will draw me a card in a turn. Maybe. <laughs> Ideally some can I play just... it? Can I play did, it? Did you actually... You must have added that to our show notes. I can't imagine Callum adding... adding no, 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 it was of course I added it. I added it. It's actually... If you think about Dreaded Arcanist and then you think about Dark Confident, it's actually embarrassing how much worse Dark Confident is. It's not even funny. It's oh, so yeah. insanely much it's worse. <laughs> so much worse. But the question is, viewers will ask, can I play this card? And I think the answer is... Will they? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, if I, I'm already down my second glass of wine. I think they won't ask that. <laughs> Inquiring minds need to know. Okay, anyway. Uh, I, I wonder if it actually sees play in like, more than Nickfit, though. Um, it was played in Grixis Delver sometimes as like a two-of, as the, the mid-range threat and stuff. Bug Delver. Yeah, Bug Delver could be played as well. Um, I think we'll see Grixis still because of Bolt and Pyroblast are so good. Although, saying that, him... the. I mean, people cite Veil of Summer as the reason for him's like demise. Um, I think people really underestimate how much worse it is without Astrolabe and um, and what do you protect? Like, 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 well, like if you're if you're playing your Veil of Summer and you're like, ah, I'm going to use it to like gank the uh, abrupt decays that are turned, you know, like mm-hmm. you're you're trying to protect your Okos. It's like, do you play Veil of Summer anymore? And the answer is like, maybe Cyborg. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it, it's a super powerful card, but it just has to line up perfectly in the metagame against what people are doing. So I've always thought that Veil is not the reason that him is not played. It's Uro, and Uro loses a lot with this thing. Although it's it's still legal in the format, and people will play it because the card is incredibly powerful. Um, without the shell of, like, with Oko being... And then so base blue-green being the premier way to play control, and without Astrolabe to have all the colors to cast it easily from your graveyard, it, it does get hit. So I'm actually pretty, like... I never thought I'd say this after the last year we've had, but I'm genuinely actually excited to try her out again because it's had. <laughs> it's so weird. If if you told me I was saying this yesterday, I'd say like you know, shoot me. This is me blinking, saying help me. 
but uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe we should do a video cast someday. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe in like a month's time, it's still ridiculous, and we're just saying, like, this is Callum sitting on like two hundred copies of of uh, and trying <laughs> to hype it up again so he can like pay rent and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we're still going to see Chase to Scarlet to Dak Faden, and we're going to. Probably... Oh, you bought that too. <laughs> oh yeah, on the Dak. I'm on the Dak train now. We'll see, we're going to see a sixty card. Uh, if you want to make big money, you invested in Snapcaster Mage because that guy is going to come back. True, probably. So, 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 so him, maybe, you know, Dark Confident. What about Basic Lands? I think they're all going to be switching this back to regular. This is my favorite thing. I think they're going to switch this back my... to regular Basic Lands. I'm just saying. Sorry to shout at you, but oh my god, I'm so happy for this. I mean, fuck you, Ice Fan Quietle. I don't give a shit if I'm going to pretend I'm playing you. I'm going to play Nice Basics again, and I don't care. Um... I'm, this is this is the thing that I'm so happy about, and like it was the most depressing thing having to like just always know that you're defaulting to Snowlands because, and it was a real thick cost. Like we talked about on the last episode about like snow hate because especially playing online, if you just go basic island go, you're just telling your opponent you're not playing Snowco, which is a huge thing. And ah, uh, this this is my. I, I, t- I said already that Dredge Darkness going is my favorite thing, but actually this is my favorite thing. I promise. <laughs> uh, I, I love so playing with What are your favorite basics? I, I know what Matt is going to answer. Mine are Mirage. I, I'm a sucker for all Mirage. the Mirage art, so yeah. I'm I'm down for Mercadia Masks. Yeah, it's nice. Matt, what about you? Mirage and Portal 1. Oh, if I'm yes. choosing for... Oh yeah, Portal is amazing. Matt, um, I'm going to give you an E fist bump because, yeah, Portal is like my second choice. Portal's quite good. You, you know that island that has that hot air balloon? Yes, so good. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually summer. Now I can play my summer basics again and not... Yeah, there's, there's the real flex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what you got to know? Like last time I visited Matt in Vancouver, he had like summer basics and dual lands and like a plastic bag on the floor. And I was like, oh, this is probably like your draft... <laughs> Commons, whatever. It's like no, this is basic summer island and black border tundra. And like, okay, okay, this is this is a special house here. <laughs> but, but do you have any summer seed rhinos yet? Uh, well, one day. One I'll day. sort you out. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um. So wasteland. wasteland. Wasteland's back. That's a card. I mean, I'm gonna maybe this is contentious after what everyone said. Um, because people were saying the card is bad against Astrolabe, which obviously it is because people just play more basics. But I just I don't think it was ever that bad. Um against the decks that had Astrolabe and Basics, sometimes it makes it look embarrassing, but the times it's good, it can really steal games. There were still plenty of decks, um depths was still a very real deck. Uh, I I don't think it was ever as bad as people let on, but there's no doubt it gets better without Astrolabe in the format. So um, we'll probably just see it carry on being one of the mo- one of the most played cards in the format, and it's it's a nice safety valve. I think th- th- it depends on like the power of wasteland is going to depend on how much greed people are going to carry over into the new meta game. If everybody still wants to be strife and play like four color without uh, astrolabe, they are in for a rude awakening. But if if people are like, going to be like good and just play like three colors and have a bunch of basics there and do well, it, so, like, yeah, okay, okay, I think I think they, the two are connected. I think the two are also connected. Like, I think Wasteland is going to see more play because cards like Knight of the Reliquary are also going to see more play. Like, Knight becomes a better card again. So, like, people people who haven't been playing a long time forget that uh, turn two Knight of the Reliquary, untap Wasteland, Wasteland you is a thing. So, enjoy. Oh, the good Fuck you. Ranger. I, I, <laughs> you can even do it three times for Script Ranger. That's actually insane. <laughs> Woof. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. we didn't put it in the, uh, the show notes, but Knight, good again. What do you think? We we did put in the show notes, but did we? But correct, yeah. We oh, did. I did. Yes. So like, oh so like we said <laughs> earlier on that big creatures will really see 
See, we'll, we'll, we'll be a star again. So, like, for example, we're going to yep. see German Angler. Um, well, I don't know about Tassiger, but, like, Knight of the Reliquary. Like, creatures yes. in general become good again. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one I, I'm, I'm on board with, like, creatures in general. Uh, like, I think that... Yeah, like I, I think all these creatures before it, coming from the deck that plays the most big dumb creatures that don't have hexproof right like like all you would do is <laughs> your fear was you would slam big threat whether it had a comes into play ability or something special or not and then they would go plus one and you'd be like ah fuck and yeah. then that would be your life and so now you actually have you like playing Tombstalker could be okay again playing Night of the Ooh. Reliquary could be okay again uh, playing... don't play with my feelings like that Matt I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm I hoping. Think, I think that the thing, uh, that, that it's going to depend a lot, lot, lot on how much Icefang Coder is going to see play, but also how much um, Baleful Strix is going to see play. Because with like, Agreed. things being Agreed. a little bit more restrictive mana-wise, maybe Baleful Strix is actually the one that's going to see more play. And I think the, the size of your creature isn't all that important. Like Once it goes to 4-4, four, four, it doesn't really matter how much bigger it gets from 4-4. Four, four. I, yeah. I guess it's like if it's like a 4-5, maybe it also beats uh, your Hooting Mandrels if those are still going to be a thing, which I think they could be. But uh, from there, it, 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 it's going to depend a lot on like what control decks really want to be doing, which kind of removal they want to be playing, and yeah, how prominent oh, these sure. death touches are going like- to be. And and also like how prevalent does punishing fire become as well, right? As part of this oh, whole fuck consortium. The I mean that card's never gonna get banned, but stupid. <laughs> it's it's the epitome. By the way, I, I learned that it's not pronounced epitome, but every, like mm-hmm. every non-native speaker, I think it's called pronounced epitome. Anyways, it's yeah. the epitome of of the kind of magic I don't want to play. It's stupid. It's stupid, and it's it's just nice second place being about to be finished. But, I mean, it's going to be nice, like, okay, so if Baleful Strix comes back, and Baleful Strix is a big force, and people are like, ugh, fucking Baleful Strix again, and it's like, well, Punishing Fire is a card again, right? So you're going to get those but cards. But you still like- played three mana to answer their two mana or something, and I don't want to <laughs> be in that spot. I just hate Baleful uh, Punishing Fire because it's like Dark Banishing, <laughs> basically. It's three mana, remove a creature, and I think that's not a thing in Legacy. I mean, it gets okay once you do it the second time, and it gets actually good once you do it the third time. Of course. But, yeah, but then, I, I don't want to like- be the guy who does that. But, like, the lands deck is going to, like, the Punishing Fire, Red Green, Splash, whatever, lands deck, um, four color Agrolome, like, all those start to become like, oh, yeah, they're going to peek their head up again because this is probably going to be a very powerful tool in the upcoming metagame. So, I'm, I am excited for both the big creatures coming back, hopefully, and. I think I'll obviously be frustrated with Punishing Fire because, you know, when you get Punishing Fire for the fourth time and you can't break the lock, you're just going to be like, ugh, I'm miserable again. But I'm miserable with something else instead of Oko, so I think that's okay. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, already accepted being miserable all If you want to feel miserable, try Punishing Firing Elks over and over again. Or, well, that's a thing, right? Elks. And that's why it was yeah. totally unplayable. Like, yeah. So, Julian, the next one, please pronounce. Kelch der Leere. Yeah, we got it. Okay, that's Chalice's, Chalice of the Void. Um, yeah, yeah, that card. I mean, it's just inherently going to come back somewhat just because Oko is going to be gone. And I think it's not even only about Oko. It's the thing that the converted mana costs are going to shift down a little bit again, especially in, in Delver decks, as Delver decks are going to play more of a tempo deck again, and they're not going to try to to mid-range you out and even like sometimes play a control deck, which, yeah, that's... That, I mean, they could still can, but that's a whole Jonathan Alexander point of interpretation of the Rock Diver thing, which you could write an entire book about. But just inherently, Chalice of the Void is going to be a better card. But like I said early on, it's, I think in the long run, it's going to be relegated to just like your low, I can't say lower tier two deck. I think it's just going to be a decent tier two deck at best. And I think that's the place for Chalice of the Void in Legacy metagame right now, which 
Still feels odd to me because it's for me it's more like a pet tier three deck, but it, it's here to to be tier two and gonna be a thing. Yeah, people are de- people are definitely gonna play it. Like it's been so out of the format for so long. Um, I mean, people do enjoy playing these decks. Um, we have Eldrazi on our show as well. This one, the only thing that makes me question it is because Uro is still legal. Um, the deck no doubt had struggles with Oko and everything. Um, and the the ease at casting Uro, and so I think Eldrazi being good really depends on if Uro is still good, and I think there's a very good chance it is. Depends on the decks, of course, but the decks playing Uro generally aren't super weak to um, Chalice, like they don't have so many one drops, and obviously just being the six six that it is, it, it really really wrecks Eldrazi. So I think Moonstomp is going to be like, and Four Color Loam are going to be the better Chalice decks. Uh, I'm going to take a punt at that. But we'll definitely see Eldrazi come back into the limelight a bit as well. What? what? <laughs> anyway, I sorry, I'm ordering pizza right now. Okay, <laughs> okay so so Give the next one. Is, so so just Callum, why don't you just go into the next one and you and you and yeah. I can just go back. Um, this one's a pretty like simple one on level one. So Blood Moon and Back to Basics probably do get better. So as we just we were talking about Chalice of the Void, and I just mentioned uh, Moon Stumpy. Mm. I think Blood Moon again like. The the card wasn't actually like that super duper terrible against uh, Snow, but it was it was like a bad late game card because they get set up pretty easily. Exactly. But now without Astrolabe, um, yeah, people are probably going to be playing more duels again, or they're going to be limited to like two or three colors tops, and then exactly. Just and, I think, to it. and the greed the greed will be there, right? People will say, oh, yeah. I need to flex out into more colors or more duels or more this. And yeah. people might go back to playing like what was Snowco playing in terms of basics? Weren't they playing like fucking five basics or something like like yeah. a ridiculous amount of basics when you're playing Blood Moon, right? So, yes. um, you know, if you can slam turn one Blood Moon while the deck with five basics, you know, they might draw a basic or might have the basic in hand. But like when you're going as they as they pull back on their basics, they might go down to like three basics or two. And then and then Blood Moon and back to basics are just that much better. Yeah, I think we'll see like a which we we had this like about over a year or so ago a real back and forth in metagame shifts between like control decks like um, when control gets good they they try and fight each other and one up each other by splashing for an extra pyroblast or an extra veil and stuff and then as that happens blood moon decks and moonstompy <laughs> get better and then they punish the greed with a blood moon and then those those decks like reel back in their greed and go back to two maybe three colors and respect the blood moon again and then that gets worse and it's like a cyclical thing it's like an under the format level where i think we'll see that again which is really fun to kind of go back and forth from so agreed as much as like people hate getting blood moon challenged out they are fun police to extents and um Agreed, yeah. because if you have, like, you can't have five-color dual decks running rampant, because mm-hmm. then, I mean, that was what, Checkpile, right? Like, when Checkpile was running rampant with, like, Deathrite Shaman, like, like obviously they had Deathrite Shaman to kind of uh, make the whole thing work, tie, t- tie the room together, sort of, but, you know, now, Fun Police are back, and mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think, like, obviously, Painter has obviously been bad since Sensei Divining Top, but, like, decks oh, yeah. like that, right, are, are going to come back, and that leads us into Sneak and Show. Like, I think mm-hmm. Sneak and Show is an interesting option that's going to probably end up... Fuck the <laughs> What? <laughs> Fuck the greeds. We need to talk about the greeds. 
before we go to sneak show, so, so, I, I want to stop you there, Matt, and I want to talk about the greed because a lot of people. I, I mean, I can't really say a lot of people, but some people they they hit me up on Twitter when when I posted I was happy about Astralis being banned. They said, "Oh no, I can't play Legacy again. Uh, I'm I'm fine. I'm priced out of the format." And I feel like this is this is attacking the wrong spot. Like the the, the uh, thing you want to be yeah. attacking in the first place is like fuck Wizards, fuck the reserve list. If if like. This is what's keeping you out of the format in the first place, unless you want to play Death in Texas, which, by the way, I think is a decent choice. But if if we are willing to make legacy gameplay inherently worse to... I don't want to say accommodate, because that almost sounds condescending, but I'm not a native speaker, so no, I don't it's, want to say accommodate. No, it's, it's accommodate. It's accommodate. Yeah, to accommodate people who otherwise couldn't be playing the format. And by the way, I'm saying that as somebody who doesn't even own a paper legacy deck anymore. Like, I have an almost finished... Maverick deck, and by the way, I put it took t- took it out today, and I realized, fuck, even Oko isn't that deck. So I think I feel you, and it sucks. But then again, does it really change all that much? Whether your deck costs like five or four thousand euros, I don't think all that much. And okay, I, I have yeah. strong opinions on this for very a few reasons. Number one, I would say that I am in a group of people who has a decent job, who can afford to buy these cards even at these ridiculous Teach prices. Teach me your ways. How it work really hard and get lucky. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I am going to say, though, is that prices, I agree, are very high, especially in the last little bit with the crypto run and people getting out. And, like, we can talk, that's like an MTG finance sort of thing, and I'm not really going to address that. However, I will say that as someone who's been playing for a very long time and has accumulated the cards over many, many years, the prices are very expensive. And I think that if I was in a position even now to say, hi, would you like to hand over ten thousand dollars to play this very expensive deck that the answer might be no so here are your options if you're saying oh i'm priced out of the format this and that i don't play magic online however a lot of people do you gentlemen included i think it's a great way and is a much cheaper way to enter the format compared to paper would you guys agree yeah, uh, I think it's a cheaper way, but it's not a greater way. I, I I think if paper didn't exist in the first place, a lot of people wouldn't be playing Magic on it anyway. I, I agree. But I'm saying it's still, it's better than not playing. Second, if you do have a good local legacy group, do you really care about playing for points? There are the people who want to get, I don't know, the pro point. I don't even know what the fuck's going on anymore with like the points <laughs> that you get. It doesn't and matter. invitational coupon cards. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you have a really great group of people that you love playing with every week, do you need to run a sanctioned tournament? And the answer is maybe not, right? Gold-bordered Force of Wills still look like Force of Wills. Gold-bordered Cradles look like Cradles. Yeah, but do you know how much gold bought a cradle is? Holy fuck, I was actually looking that up today. Do you, do you have any idea how expensive that is? Um, I'm going to say it's greater than $30 because it's... It's a lot more. <laughs> it's a lot more. It's like almost yeah. close to 200 euros. That's ridiculous. So then yeah. you take your Sharpie marker and you yeah, take your Rise of Eldrazi Forest or whatever set is most... I don't know what... Kaldheim <laughs> Forest. Lied, it's more like 150 but still. So my point is is that if you have a group of really good players that you want to play with and the only thing keeping you out of playing the deck that you want to play is $1,000 underground seas, well then guess what? People need to get on board to build the community. Like, I understand that it's very expensive, but there are ways around it. And the only thing holding people, if the only thing holding the community back is like, oh, we want to sanction this event, really sit down and think, what does sanctioning get you? 
Just think about yeah, the inclusivity. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because for the longest, for the longest, longest of time, I was very much against like promoting unsanctioned legacy because I always feel like, hey, being part of the greater magic community is a great thing. But it's, I think, at this point with how expensive legacy is these days, we are inherently soon not going to be part of the greater magic community. At least the the one that's tied to the mythic rival invitational qualifier league anymore. But we're still part of magic and no matter whether you're sanctioned or not, and especially, maybe even more so in the future. And I mean, that's an entire episode of its own, but something that really opened my eyes was when I was talking to a friend of mine who had been playing a lot more Paper Legacy than I did, like right before COVID, at least like locally. And he actually told me, dude, there's so many fucking like... I, I, it probably sounds racist if I say Chinese fakes, because I'm not even sure if they're like from China or whatever, but you, you get the idea, right? There's fakes yeah. going on. And he told me like at these these paper legacy events there he plays against so many fake cards and he couldn't give like a shit at all and maybe that's the future but yeah that's probably an entire episode of its own i i agree like i mean it's hard to like i think as the price of cards go up and the fakes become better obviously in terms of i guess we'll say in terms of like i'm not worried about like somebody faking the mona lisa right just like i'm not really worried about somebody faking an old black lotus because there are for for, the, for those of us who have handled these cards for 20 25 almost 30 years now you just know right um however in terms of playing in a do tournament know? i do but i mean i, I, I don't know what you do on like the very good ones but honestly i'm, I'm talking about with the old card, there, i'm talking think... about with the old cards specifically yeah, but I think the, the, I think the one thing that matters to me the most is that you like you never try to pass them off as real. Like if if something agreed, uh, agreed. like a trade or something or like they're proxies, as a, as a they're proxies, and that's thing, all. You win. Yeah, that that's the one thing that I care the most about because I don't want people to be like. There's people who generally care about that, and that's that's a good thing because like in, in proper tournaments, it's still gonna be a thing of like is it is it a fake or not. But so so never try to rip off those. Um, maybe it's already happening. Like I, I always wonder whether there's maybe or almost like perfect fakes out there and we just don't know yet. Because if somebody could ever do that, they would make so much money. It's insane. You <laughs> I will just I will just jump in here and say I, I think your point. This is a whole another episode, and I think this would be a really good topic to do. Um, it's something that I mentioned to you, Julian, recently. How in case anyone doesn't know that myself, along with help of two friends. We've been running um, proxies allowed, un- unsanctioned, <laughs> a fake shop. Yes, exactly. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, we, in London, we've been running proxies allowed, um, fully just print off the printer at home, whatever, unsanctioned legacy events in London for the last like two years plus. And um, we've been hitting numbers of 50 pretty easily towards the end until COVID. So I was hoping to either write an article or do a full episode of this podcast on it. And so we should definitely... Um, have that topic which you guys are discussing on. Then we're going to be cancelled by wizards. Oh man, maybe. But um, <laughs> I think we're going to see a real shift to um, unsanctioned events and a push for it. And I think we need to like just normalize it. Basically, um, it's happening in the Greater Munich area as well. We basically like we're not nearly as big as the Legacy Monthly, and I'm not involved in organizing those, but I, I, I'm happy to take part in those. And yeah, that's that, that's a discussion that's been happening here as well, mm-hmm. and. At least the organizers, most of them are pretty pro proxy, I think. By the way, um, Matt has to leave right now. Uh, he told us he has to stab some people in the face because that's apparently how they <laughs> administer COVID, uh, not COVID, <laughs> the COVID vaccine in, in the United States of Canada. Also so picking up a, a new shipment of seed rhinos as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you if you want to have some kind of crazy investment going on, um, try to invest in seed rhino. Um, I, I'd be, I, I'd give you good odds on that card ever coming back in legacy. <laughs> yeah. But um, to, to wrap that 
quick thing up um yeah let's let's do a an article a podcast on that soon um let us know on twitter the discord and stuff if you have thoughts on that kind of thing and if it's something you'd be interested in hearing because me personally i want to really push proxies but not fakes there's a very big difference between proxies and fakes i am very anti-proxy i'm Callum. very pro yeah. fake uh no the other you're way around new- shit shit you're no. a noob <laughs> you're a noob you if you, if you noob. shout out your social media you always gotta mention your social media it's at eternal mtg so hit us up at eternal MT- yeah. at eternal mtg with yeah. all your desires thoughts i don't know anything about related to like proxies and yeah. and tournaments running unsanctioned because i think this is a a subject which hasn't really been a thing until the last year or so where i mean maybe a couple of years but prices have obviously gotten higher and higher and the cost of jewels is now really really too high and pushing people out so i mean i've always been lending everyone that i can jewels i've i've lent anyone anything jewels i can or afford duels jewels <laughs> jewelry jewels. it's like oh you want to <laughs> you want to wear like a nice tiara from like the victorian area sure take this one <laughs> we should make a band called uh, run the jewels <laughs> but um, um you know what's also interesting if you if you play like all these um paper magic online tournaments nobody's going to verify whether you're going to play like with a proper card and that's yeah. that's yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there true all right back to the matter at hand shall we so we're, we're still uh finishing off the winners um just, just as a caveat to both uh, the winners and the losers we are definitely forgetting things because this is such a huge shake-up this is a what I've just been going in my head today and what's been going through Julian and Matt's head. So um, if we Lots forgot wine. wine and I've got a beer, I've got a nice uh, passion fruit mango. Sour. I usually never drink an entire bottle of wine during a podcast, but now I'm almost there. This, is, this tells you how, how important this podcast is going to I'll, be. To I'll me. let you talk about the greed in a minute then, because I know you want to run. It's really it. great. <laughs> oh, the greed. Didn't we, didn't we already finish off the greed? Oh, you put your funny voice on. Oh, that that was my friend. I I live with Darth Vader. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, um, uh, we're about to say sneaking show. So, I, this is like with the caveat that I think sneaking show is just always insane. Like week one or two or three and four after a big shakeup, and this is the biggest shakeup ever. So it's just like it's it's a story as old as time itself, where something gets banned or unbanned, and JPA comes and kills you. So, um. I don't know, Sneaking Show is just always like the the mediocre deck killer. Like if when you're trying to get cute or trying to do something different or new or something that's been uh, in the shadows for a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Tomon Grizzlebrands with Force Backup are still there. Um, the deck was never... I don't know, it, yeah. it was pretty bad for a while. Um, you can't now like put in an Emrakul and it gets uh, plus one by Oko to make it into an Elk. Uh, either going back to like us saying Blood Moon's better, I mean, it can play Blood Moon in the, in the sideboard or even main deck sometimes very good, very well. So we'll probably see Sneak and Show back. I think Omnitel is probably also a good, for, a very good place to go to. And by extension, Combo, Combo's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years uh, with Veil of Summer, Thassa's Oracle, stuff like that. The card keeping it down most was Dreadhold Arcanist. Like Combo really struggled with that card and Dreadhold let these combo decks that were set up to win the game ones actually actually win those game ones as the delver side so without dread horde i think we'll just see the combo decks be better and they're already very good but they are always easier to hate than uh than delver decks or like this the blue midrange decks so i'm not too worried about them honestly 
Yeah, Crystal Brand, we're coming for you. You 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 are going down. You you are going down next. You think you're safe? Yeah, fuck you. Crystal Brand, you're going down. Hey, do you remember the the play patterns of someone cast a show and tell if it's in Crystal Brand? You put in a knight <laughs> and you and then you tap knight and get Caracas and then you kill them next turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let let's go back to that. Um, <laughs> honestly, like that that thing actually like Crystal Brand was actually kind of surprisingly okay, but until like omniscience became a thing. Um, uh, but true. somehow. I hate Crystal Brand just so much more than Omniscience. Like, Omniscience, yeah. Uh, let, let, honestly, that's the kind of episode we're going to have, like, five episodes from now when I'm going right. to be fucked up by show and tell because I keep losing <laughs> to it. But, yeah, this this is this is from the future. We'll, uh, we'll I, have I, a I Julian Rants episode. Yeah, maybe we should. I, I'm pretty calm today, right? <laughs> yes, you're pretty good. All right, um, we've got one more on this list. And this is, okay, I know I've said that the Astrolabe ban I was a favorite. And then the Dreadhold I was really excited about. And then Basic Lands. This is probably the second most thing, favorite thing on this whole, uh, the whole changes. So Dreadhold number one. No, Basic's number one. Dreadhold number two. This is number three. I'm just excited about everything. I can't help it. Jace, the Mind Sculptor. Jace could be back, maybe. <laughs> the toy, the, the ah, UB card. Everybody's like, oh, Jace, the mysterious Jace. planeswalker. He's wearing a blue hood. He doesn't have oh, to deal with through time Astrolabe's flying with three three stats he's the living face. good packed oh my god nobody knows what that means not yeah, even Rosats, but yes look i'm gonna tell you something julian no nobody who likes jace the mind sculptor cares about the law like that maybe i'm gonna get loads of like hate mail say hey i care okay, about the law dude, i recently got in a really big discussion about like hating chase the mind sculptor and they, they honestly they made some points that i wasn't aware of that there's like people who literally but i don't can't say laugh but like they really identify with Chase the Mind Sculptor. So when I go out there and I hate on Chase the Mind Sculptor, that hurts them. So but, I, I can see that. But are you but hating on Chase the, the Mind Sculptor or Chase the character? Because I don't like Chase the character either, but I love the card, Chase the Mind Sculptor. Chase the Mind Sculptor is amazing because I think in like for four mana, it's it's okay for the power level that Legacy yes. is at right now. It, it, it's but like I the think, perfect card. It, it pulls honestly, your like, head. I think yeah, Gone. We're, we're sometimes using Chase the character as a punching bag for Wizards of the Coast in general because he's basically the face of what Wizards has done with Magic ever since 2009, when they basically made like the, the Chase Dice League or whatever they call it. So it's it, it could have been any of the Planeswalkers if they had picked them to be the, the poster buy of Magic, and it just happens to be Chase, and that's why everybody hates Chase, and by proxy, actually like the new Wizards policy ever since 2009. So it's really not that much about the character, it's more about the, the modus operandi of Wizards of pushing Chase into our faces, even though Chase is kind of bland, and I guess Chase most characters are yeah. somewhat bland. Like, I guess if we explode most of the other characters more, they'd also be rather bland. Like, which magic characters are really deep? Like, okay, okay. I I, I don't even know how to pronounce them in English. Starke of, of like, the, the Weatherlight mm-hmm. saga. That guy was actually quite surprisingly cheap because he tried, like, the Weatherlight oh, and okay. he wanted to actually, like, rescue his daughter, but he, the daughter was, like, being kept prisoner by Warrath or something like that that character was actually deep chase is more like okay i'm not gonna hate on chase anymore because there's no point in it anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm just saying that's gonna come back i i don't really care about jace the character i don't like it either but it doesn't who you're cancelled now oh shit i i do <laughs> i don't read the lore I, I'm, it's not my kind of thing so i just love playing with jace the mind sculptor it feels like a beautifully rounded card and it's like it's amazing it's like until oko which pushed it out basically it stood the test of time as this like kind of like icon and structure of what a, a four drop and legacy can look like it's totally beatable you can beat it you can attack it you can do things to it um but it's a four drop which will win the game but you need like 
stuff built around it and you need a couple of turns to do that as well it is the incremental advantage but it's, it's an expensive card as well so it's it's honestly just one of my favorite cards ever and i'm excited to play it again maybe we should actually do like um uh an episode about the rules of legacy number one you don't talk about the rules of legacy number two you, you know that kind of thing yeah a couple of things uh, people brought that up on twitter the other day especially like people who only got into legacy in the last couple of years what are the rules of legacy and i think one of the core rules of legacy has always been your four drops gotta win the game especially if you untap with it and that has been true for natural order that has been true for chase that has been true for sneak attack that that's one of the and, and you you gotta think about where is this core rule coming from the core rule is coming from the environment that we're playing in and that environment is spare pierce and flusterstorm so all your four drops basically cost six and six mm -hmm. is insanely hard to get to in legacy even if you're using veteran explorer and that's why we say <laughs> if you resolve your six drop and you even untap with it you deserve to win the game and if that is that is the kind of magic you want to play where you like deflect 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 four drop win that's that that's a way to win in legacy uh when i, when I watched the super bowl and at least in, in the german version they had like ways to win the game um for the two different teams and i think like I mean, yeah, we talk about, okay, you can have a combo deck or you can be like the Java deck, but the ways to win the game are more like on a metaphysical level. And and that level is like untap with my four drop. And that's how you win. Like, that's one of the ways to win the game in Legacy. And yeah, that that's probably another episode of its own. Yeah, definitely. I, it'd be an interesting topic because all of these um kind of yeah these rules come from I think the kind of the beginning of Legacy and the SCG kind of days. I mean we some of the other rules like just off the top of my head were like Force is bad in uh, fair matchups, Cantrips are better if you slow roll them. There's all these kind of things where I will say um I know we've like hyped up Javier's article on Cantrips. I mean I'm very interested to see if that dynamic changes again without Dreadhorde and um, Oko. I wonder if you are rewarded for playing your cantrip slower again it'd be interesting to see what, what do you yeah, think definitely uh, uh Harvey's article was actually one of the very first things that i thought about because i will never reference that one again at, at least uh, the current meta game right now <laughs> yeah because it's it's completely turned on set again now it's it's more about like picking your battle choosing your battle like finding out where you want to throw in your force of will and th that reminds me a lot of like typical bavarian card games so you also <laughs> have like these these chokers i want to say that when you that one position but yeah you gotta pick that position and with cards like dread of Arcanist, it was actually spelled out for you when the position was going to happen and yes. now you have to i, I don't want to be like as condescending as somebody would say in this spot now you have to think again i mean you still <laughs> had to think in the other yes, like yeah. position as well but you have to think a little bit more again i think i agree i agree and it's i think it's we've got to be careful because it's very easy to fall into this like kind of feeling of legacy is just the same as two years again two years ago or a year ago whatever it was um because it's not um there are still lots of new cards there's still khan there's teferi there's oko there's veil of summer uh field of the dead to combat control like there's a lot of new cards still in the format force of negation of course as well so we can't just go back to old legacy but we're going to see this hopefully which i think is super interesting this meshing of old heuristics and new heuristics and these are going to change maybe based on decks and the matchup and uh, the fluctuating format and if it's like cyclical and stuff and i don't know it just seems amazing to me now i'm just talking about it out loud yeah i mean there, there might be some decks where you still are rewarded to just play your cantrips as fast as possible but <laughs> i mean Del eldrazi <laughs> eldrazi playing ponder turn one turn two charles but i mean like Dude, that's the next level <laughs> well look i mean we're, just, we're saying gurmag angler is potentially good again that's a reason to play your cantrips sooner um it depends if combo is really good you play your cantrip yeah. soon to find the counter magic or the right interaction uh like 
we might like see more vine, active things with my vine up brain thinks that Gurma Gengla yeah. is basically a fixed version of Dreadrot Arcanist mm. <laughs> well, where are you getting that from I don't know <laughs> from, from from you just saying it's better to play your cantrips early on you, you know that, that the meme that Danielle posted one day where, where it's like the old lady and she's like oh the best brain sum is the one you never cast and then there's Dreadrot Arcanist accompanying oh, her yeah. to wherever <laughs> and, and she's like yeah sure mom we go to bed now and yeah that I mean, you don't really want to cast um, your Gormag Angler early on anyway, yeah. because it's usually like not that great anyway, because you have to, like like you said, cast your Grand Traps, like your tournament brain something if you don't want to. Yeah. If you really want to like turbo it out, and turboing out stuff is not great in a format where you have two mana draw a card, Wrath Touchers. And all, like, all of this overall thing, I think we're really that much closer to chess again, and that just feels so great. Like, we, we keep talking about like new um, episode topics. I think one of the greatest things about magic is that it's not like chess. Um, for Mark mm-hmm. Rosewater, or, or was it Aaron Forthight, for as much as we criticized them at times, one of them was it, who wrote a really great article about why variance is making magic great. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like one of the major reasons why we play magic is that we like we can play it without feeling stupid for not having devoted like sixteen hours a day to learning all the openings and mid games and end games. And variance is what lets us do that. And that's that's just a great thing. I just feel felt like with Dragon Darkness in the format, variance was just like pushed too much. And I feel like we're whoa, everybody's been cooling down again mm-hmm. and the, like once you untap with your two drop, it's not gonna be an insane advantage. It's just gonna be a Tarmogoyth. and that's just like a thing in Legacy as well. Like sm- being smart and knowing you can take a couple of hits from a certain card because it's not inherently gonna generate an advantage because you use your life total as a resource. That's smart and that's cool. And figuring out to which degree you can like operate on that mode, that that's cool. That's that that's what makes magic fun and. Yeah, that's that's going to come back a little bit more. Yeah, very much agree. Like this is um kind of new heuristics we talked about on the podcast and some of the heuristics, latest. That's the good word. Yeah, heuristics. it's good to have a native speaker <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, um, this is the, some of the things we talked about, like changing these old heuristics from these old kind of rules you set yourself as you learn the format. On some of the late the recent episodes, we said life total as a resource isn't a thing anymore. If you're blocking, you're losing. These kind of ideas of like ways to play games as a structure of rules before you have to think about it further these things are going to be rolled back i mean i think we do need to rethink things because when um remember when uh, lurus was banned and breach was banned we basically instantly called out we're like okay snow is i mean every podcast did this everyone knew snow was back and it happened it was true um now stole our thoughts yeah but now we have no idea and it, it's really refreshing because I think we need to be careful not to fall back into like all these old, as I said, these all all these old ideas are uh, true, but we need to not fall back into like these old old decks are good again. There's going to be again a real meshing of deck building as well, and it really does feel like a new format. It's it's feels so open. Um, my only worry is maybe Uro is still really really good, but as I said, I'm That's excited. your worry. It's one of them. I mean, I have a much bigger worry. Go on. What's your worry? I mean, you already know. You probably already know. Like, which deck is probably gonna be like insane now? Omnitel. I, I hope you can guess. I'm gonna give you Omnitel, but I was thinking about a different deck. But Omnitel is up there. Okay. Uh, Doomsday. Yes. Yeah. Very I... much so. That's the card. That, that's the deck. I, I like. I'm I'm scared <laughs> to hell about. Like, there's so few ways to actually hate Doomsday. Like, how do you hate Doomsday? Well, the the deck always struggle with. Um, look, we can take some words from our friend Martin uh, Neville Sute. He said 
it really struggles with blue red delver more than rug delver when he's been playing recently because the extra bolts um faster clock with just more threats that deal damage rather than generate card advantage sometimes i mean dredge is obviously insane against them but like the deck does struggle with bolts and as we said before delver or other decks might go back to stifle again him might come back i i just think combo is a lot easier to hate out than these fair blue decks so you know these these decks are really good don't don't get me wrong omnitel and doomsday are incredibly powerful and they probably will be the two premier combo decks for a bit but um i don't know you can play stuff like torpor orb and you can play loads of pyroblasts can you really <laughs> yes you can I, it's just it's just yeah, okay, okay it's, it's the first thing that came to my head don't play torpor orb the fourth card that caleb invested in torpor orb <laughs> <laughs> but look play stifle then play fucking trick mind for all you want i don't know i i it always just like feels like such a meme. Like I have stifle. <laughs> like how is stifle against Doomsday that much better than stifle against Ad Nauseam? I mean, I get it. Ad Nauseam draws all the deck and they discard and then yeah, whatever. But it, it, it's kind of crazy, like how well, hard it is to actually hit Doomsday because Doomsday inherently is like so untouchable. Kind of, but stifles uh, Doomsday is a bit more mana intensive as well. It like can play less than four petals that it doesn't often it plays one led for the combo pile sometimes they cut it recently um stifle like is not a good mana denial tool against storm historically because they play more fast mana and they have past and flames and these extra leds like try and stifle a, a fetch land against storm and they'll just go off with like rit rit led <laughs> past and flames stifling a land from doomsday is a legit thing especially when you have a clock from like blue red delver that's true that's true especially yeah. now that they don't have um like so, some doomsday lists they usually played uh, uh oh, they played dread horde noko as well so yeah <laughs> yeah but but also astrolabe right and if you yeah. want to get to like double black then you actually need the yeah. Dark Ritual, I guess. So yeah, I guess that they also took a little bit of a hit, and and never shoot. They actually mentioned that yeah. Dava's gonna actually be gonna become a harder matchup. Even I though so. I guess you got you gotta account for Dreaded Arcanist being gone, so you can play a little bit of a longer game without being yeah. up against the wall of counters. I mean, maybe this brings uh, Ant back. I don't know. Like people often said, Ant died because of Veil, but I don't think that's true necessarily. Like it's it's just a very good card against them. It's similar to Stifle. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh my god, I had too much wine. You, you just yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, just, but it didn't die because of this card. It just happens to be really good against. Well, no, it's true. <laughs> I, I, I totally see your point. Seriously, I see your, I see your oh point. You, you say it's like a very good card, but it's not like a meta game ending card for them. I yes. totally see your point. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you need <laughs> to fight through it. You need to. You need to have a fluster storm for it or you need to like maybe silence or whatever maybe that can come back but i think storm really suffered against dreadhorde because it couldn't play that slow game if you remember before dreadhard dreadhorde all the good storm players said yeah delve is so easy because you just like play your lands and then you just kill them eventually because you can beat triple forcible or whatever you couldn't do that because dreadhorde would find the more threats to close the clock quicker and have like ten thousand force wills so um Ten thousand, yeah. at least, maybe more. Who knows? So, uh, what's the best counter spell in Legacy right now? Days, and it has been forever. No, probably, maybe is days now. Um, I thought I've, I've said Force of Will was the best card in Legacy recently. Um, Whoa. yeah, I did. It was it was like a you know what they call hot takes, but I, I think with Dreadhorde and Oko around, I, I said it was better than Brainstorm, and I, I believed that completely. But with the changes now, it's, it probably changes, and I think Days might be a better card than Force of Will. We'll see. I think Days inherently is a better card than Force of Will. Force of Will is horrendous. It's not when you have Dreadhorde in play. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I mean, I'm talking about the status quo. 
I'm, yes, yeah, I'm true. talking about yeah, yeah that's true. that's what's happening. Days is pretty good. Days is going to be like yeah. Days is an all time great card. So so to close out, so we've gone over some losers and winners. Um, to close, oh, closing out, out already. Oh, no, no, not not the whole episode. We've got some questions. I want to get like a t- take take a step back and. What do you? What do you? I mean, as I know, I've said that I, I have no idea what's going to happen. But what are some of your predictions on what the format will look like? It's going to be a lot more fun. Yes. <laughs> this is, is this that is what wine, they pay me for. Wine this is the kind of deep like analysis that they pay me for. <laughs> yeah. I still got to figure out who they are, but I mean, that's that's basically it. Uh, honestly, though, <laughs> I, I think it's gonna be. <clears throat> I think the most important thing is. To always like if you want to figure out a format that's just like my way to approach any kind of format is what is the dominant aggressive deck in the format because that's gonna spell how much you can spend on the rest of the format like how much like basically ever since legacy has been a thing three and four was the top end you could never really spend five on anything and i think I'm not sure whether Rock Diver is going to be the best thing again. Maybe it's going to be Grixis Diver, but I'm not sure. Maybe it's actually going to be Blue Red Diver, and Blue Red Diver is going to be is going to be limiting you to even lower mana cost because Blue Red Diver is even faster, uh, while a little less controlish almost. I want to say. I just feel like once that has been figured out, to the, once you've reached the Nash equilibrium, whatever of of what makes sense to play in the aggressive slot and then we can determine how far we can go on the quote-unquote control mid-range slot and once that has been figured out everything else is going to be filled with what's viable as a mid-range deck and i think if you ask me blue red is probably going to be a thing but it's also a boring deck like come on (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be more like like a lot of people enjoy it yeah a lot of people don't have money me included, what? by the way. I'm probably one of the poorest people you've listened to. Oh, because to right you can't now. get anyway. the Volcanic Islands. I see. <laughs> I can't even get anything. I have like three, like Savannah, and that's it. <laughs> and a bunch of Okos who are not worth anything anymore. But no, seriously, like that, this, is, this is the thing. And then I think the much more interesting thing is what is the kind of wannabe control deck in the format? I've been, I've been pretty vocal that I always thought that hard control decks, that's, that's the pet deck of the format. That's never really... I mean, you okay, leave me this, and this my is like Julian's alone. rules of legacy. Yeah, this is Julian's rules of legacy. I think hard control can only ever be a pet deck because when hard control is viable, something's broken in the format. And I think looking back at the bands that enabled hard control and then ended up being banned, like, you know, Mental Misstep or any kind of those things, t- Sensitive Dividing Top, <clears throat> those ended up being banned. And oh, unbanned like, Top. What, Sorry, yeah, what no. was that? <laughs> I've got I'd a cough as well. keep survival yeah. band than unbent top. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think hard control, that's that's the pet deck of the format. But mm. then we have le- these like mid-range controlish decks. Like I, I will, do, I will pe- just say, I, I, dis- I, I see where you're coming from and I, I get the idea of it, but I disagree that like you can definitely have a control deck which is like tier one, but not oppressive. Oh, never. Yeah, Never. absolutely. I'm going to prove you wrong. Deck, like a proper hard control deck being tier one, it's like I, poison for the format. I, th- I think Shark Steel could be very good now, and uh, it's, it's my first deck I'm going to play. <laughs> so we'll see. If you make Shark Steel tier one, we're going to get bad, something banned out of it. Seriously, <laughs> I mean Shark Steel is like decent as a tier two deck. Yeah. Uh, also, but I mean that. Oh, here, here goes another episode of its own. Like, what does it actually mean to, to be like? We have this really long discussion with Anurag on Twitter and like legacy chats and stuff about like what does tier one and tier two actually mean? I think people not agree agreeing inherently not agreeing on what it means to be tier one tier two in the first place is what like makes these discussions kind of weird in the first place but i I just think that 
the concept of an actual hard control that means that you want to take away an entire aspect of the game to make the game easier for yourself to play and that makes it so that the game overall becomes a little bit more stupid and that's just like why it always ends up with something banned if it's actually good because people are going to be pissed by that pissed off by 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 something inherently being removed from the format and being quote unquote dumped down which is kind of weird, I guess, for a lot of people. But yeah, that's that's well, one of my strongest opinions about. Uh, I think about I legacy. think some pushback against that can be that if I think you're you can't coming, push come, back against somebody who's had one liter of red wine from Spain. <laughs> so the pushback against the your idea, not you, is that um, this is like you're coming from the the perspective of this control deck being tier one and then not being many other viable tier one things to play against it we've like miracles was head and shoulders above the rest kind of the best thing and maybe check pile kind of was but there was also delver but they were similar i mean there could very well be existing a metagame where shark still just for example it could be a different kind of control deck as well exists as a tier one deck but there is still a blue red delver there's there's a maverick or whatever there's a a four color loan. there's a doomsday which is totally there's a doomsday there's you. an omnitel yeah i mean they could exist this paradise yeah, but of all this of those decks one. are not like inherently legacy decks i, I mean not, i mean that's probably like the, the, the unfair way to phrase it i think i'd find to a lot me, of people inherently disagree legacy with that. is like about all is balancing a mid-range deck in between an aggressive deck which could be a driver deck and balancing against like something like a mid-range controlish decks and having somewhat of a decent matchup against combo and i think that's inherently the greater framework of open world legacy and everything every time this kind of delicate balance gets disrupted wizards steps in and they banish it and that's why i love wizards for how they manage the legacy ban list i've been playing the format since okay seriously i've, I've actually really only been playing the format since, since 2006 or 7 i want to say since 2004 because that's when it wasn't like created but i really didn't i only like got it into like 2005 and then like yeah whatever my first legacy tournament was in 2007 i feel ashamed for it because that, that already feels late but yeah anyways i feel like everything every time i've seen a disruption in the force it was by cards or decks shaking up this great balance and then wizards as our overlords and our gods step in and there's like okay we fucked up let's re-establish this balance and i feel like we finally arrived at this balance again and now i'm happy mm-hmm. i mean grizzle brand is still a thing fuck the card but I'm yeah we'll happy. see we'll see um i don't want to fall into this like uh this safety net yet but yeah i'm very very optimistic about the future of legacy i'm very excited to play it again you've probably heard my enthusiasm and excitement from just chatting tonight um Julian's gotten drunk because he's so excited to play it. Um, yeah, there's just great things ahead of us. So should we get into some anything bad against Spanish wine? I think hey. this one's from Barcelona. Barcelona. He aprendido hablar español. Sounds pretty good. Años. Oh, once, doce años pasado. Nice. You can I've, keep on. I've been drinking a, a pressure drop beer, which is like a UK brewery called Future Sunshine. And it's a passion fruit, peach, and pineapple triple fruited sour. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is just too much for me. I've only had beer twice in my life, and every time I had beer, I got a lot of money for it. Uh, Dora, sours you might like. It's just like juices, but with uh, beer in. Anything that's bitter. It's, but we, we talked about like that genetic thing that I have, that like anything bitter tastes like 10 times more bitter to me. Oh, no, but yes. Anyway, so should we get, should like, get you, on some more questions? In this position, where you can't eat cucumbers you hate coffee you hate beer 
you're in the same boat than I am. You've got this stupid gene active that tells you like bitter is actually ten times more bitter. And yeah, that's cucumbers are the worst. We we should probably form some kind of support group. That, that's another episode, right? Talking about how much cucumbers suck. Maybe we should like open a food podcast, especially since considering how our Discord, like our everyday eternal, you know, eat, you know, you guys should popular. do that, but without me because I'm not much of a cook. But you and the you Discord could become one. What's the difference between a cook and a chef? As, like asking as a non-native speaker. Uh, cook is just someone that like cooks stuff. A chef <laughs> is someone that prepares proper meals. I don't know. Chef is like sophisticated. Yeah, that's what I guess. <laughs> Anyway, we're, we're going to get on to some uh, listener questions. We've got a couple from Twitter, which I thought were actually quite uh, interesting. So Dude, Kobe is not a listener. Kobe is an original founding member of Everyday Channel. He's like one of the legends of the legacy scene in Los Angeles. He was in the finals of SCG, I want to say, Gambler Town. Mm-hmm. What's it called for everybody gambles? Las Vegas. Not the stock exchange. Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. He played Grizzlebrand. I was about to say, Brand, but he, he, plays put, it. he put Tinfins on the map. So, um, do you really like yeah, him? Yeah, some, some, some people might say Tinfins put him on the map, but continue. Hey. hey. So he said, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm a big Cory fan. Shut up. My real question, as I haven't looked at Constructor Magic in any great strategic depth for over two years, is this the last round? That is, does this mark the end of Fire's damage to Constructed? Or do we have some more Aftershocks still waiting? What do you think? Um, well, the thing is, I think Wizards has really gotten the the notice like that people hate fire. But at the same time, P- Wizards, like Mr. Mark Rosewater, he tells us all the time, like sometimes he just like shows up to my house and he's like opens the door and he's like, Julian, <laughs> we made more money than ever before with fire. So that's like, it's like so-and-so. Wizards is making insane bank. They they increased their revenue like 15%. And people might say, yeah, that's because of COVID, because everybody's staying home. But then again, if people are staying home, they're not buying paper cards. So I don't know. They, and it's also like not a thing about COVID, just specifically about COVID. Ever since 2009, like 2009 was the big thing. 2009 was one of the turning points in Magic when they changed everything around how they approach Magic. That's how they changed Limited Magic. That's how they market mad that they changed how they market magic. And ever since then they've been growing like crazy. Like it, it sounds weird if you didn't know about this, but like for Hasbro, Magic and Monopoly are the two biggest driving forces in increasing their revenue. Like they, they recently re- released their numbers and they are like, Okay, yeah, we are fucked every which way, but Magic and Monopoly, they those are gonna carry our, our brand. So from that point of view, I think they're somewhat gonna try to carry on with with fire and now that they have also acknowledged that they are more happy to ban stuff if people don't like it maybe they're gonna continue at the same time people really hated the the stuff that they fucked up so i think they're gonna continue being more willing to push fucked up shit but also maybe they're gonna be somewhat i I mean okay i'm I'm giving you a non-answer here right by saying oh maybe they're gonna be somewhat (laughs) hesitant to print like the really broken stuff it's not like they printed oko and they knew it was gonna be insane they literally said they just like fell through the, the checks and i think they're probably gonna dial it down a little bit but not as much as people like if if it sounds weird, but I mean, as, as competitive players, you always got to remember we are probably the minority at, in, at this point, and that's just oh, like the way it is. And it's not it's not like a bad thing; it's just like the way it is. It, you're never gonna have like a game where the majority is gonna be like competitively focused players. It, it, it just like doesn't work that way, especially since, like, if you look at League of Legends or Dota or whatever, 
a lot of those people who sign up every day and who sign in and they play with their friends and whatever, none of those people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a pro gamer one day. And it's the same for us. So maybe we're not as competitive as we want to be. But that's like this giant pile sounds condescending, right? <laughs> this, this giant group of players who are okay with something being overpowered because they play four color multiplayer anyway yeah it's fun they they don't care if they lose to an overpowered thing because it happens now and then and there's nothing on the line it's not a thing that you do over and over again and there's no there's no like kind of pressure on them to be doing the best thing uh, so they they just either they can choose to ignore the good stuff or they can go with it like it's, it's a really a freedom to just do what they want in the game whereas yeah these these design mistakes we can call them are kind of forced upon us and legacy is a super old format and you know we're used to a lot of like kind of structure around it and it really has rocked the format the last couple of years so that's the question i'm quite optimistic about things um half because of like this ban announcement like they've shown that they are now willing to nuke stuff and like oko has gotten the probe treatment it's like only legal in vintage now and um I mean, I'm just very happy about that. If they're willing to kind of quote-unquote delete stuff from the game, fine. But please Sorry. don't pass through a year of it again. I mean, this is the worry. I just keep right? going back to, in my head, I keep going back to the Everyday Eternal episode where we wanted to talk about Oko and one of our co-hosts was like, yeah, let's talk about playable cards. And now we're sitting here with this card only being legal and vintage at this I mean, point. to be fair, the card doesn't look that powerful on the on the front <laughs> okay i thought you were gonna say to be to be fair we kicked him off the podcast no actually we didn't we, we didn't <laughs> yeah. kick him off the podcast we killed him what um but another thing that makes me um, optimistic is the the recent sets have not been too bad like kaldheim has nothing egregious like uh like some of the mistakes we've had and stuff um we we have modern horizons 2 on the horizon to put it like that so oh, we wait, have to wait seriously do we yep it's coming soon. That's why we have you on the podcast, man. You can see the future. I didn't even know. It shows how much you pay attention to con- competitive magic. did we have, actually have like modern revised, revisited or something? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure we had modern Horizons 2 at some point. Uh, not yet. It's coming. You really didn't? So they're going to make a Renner 6 that costs one blue-black hybrid mana. Yeah. Blue-black? I can, I, I'm down. I'm down. Okay, <laughs> cool. Anyway, um, to finish off the question, yeah hopefully optimistic but that's like my optimistic side speaking so i think we should have to wait and see um as far as i know magic designers they design for three years in the future as well so we could have some surprises in our future and we should have to wait it out but um today's bad announcement does kind of give some hope that they they are gonna they're willing to like change stuff not just off the wing the uh, win rates like we said earlier yeah here's here's the thing here's like the big thing about magic because magic is 99.99% 99.99% of everybody who's listening to this hobby, including us, like there's seriously no point at all in not being optimistic about the future. Like, what's the point of not being optimistic about the future? Yeah, you might be disappointed about something not happening the way you want it to in like the next six months, but it's going to happen the way you want it to in the next 24 months. At least if you're like follow, a follower of the Church of Julian, which I can very much recommend, it's free. But I think there's like no, like, what, what's the upside of being pessimistic about the future of legacy? Seriously, like, what's the. I, I don't get it. It's like, yeah, you you score some points of like, oh, I'm being the cynic. Like, yeah, but this, nobody likes cynics and cynics are weak anyway. So <laughs> just like be optimistic about the future of magic. And if it doesn't happen that way, yeah, maybe it's going to happen afterwards. That, that That's the beauty. Seriously, as somebody, I mean, I say that as somebody who struggled with stuff in life, like everybody struggled with something in life. But 
the beauty of having a hobby is that at the end of the day it really doesn't matter all that much so might as well just be optimistic and if it disappoints you you just i don't know i was gonna say go home and fuck your girlfriend but that's probably like the (laughs) the wrong way to put it seriously but Uh, like i mean it really doesn't matter it really doesn't matter and if i agree with your sentiment all that much to you it then just like dial it down play video games Mm -hmm. and think about the future of legacy and i think it's going to be a, a bright future yeah i mean we're not saying that people should like not not care about the format of course but at the end of the day i think your sentiment is right it is a hobby and it's an escape from things that you don't want to be doing otherwise and so if you're not enjoying your hobby you need to put a sign outside wizard of the coast saying banoko is what we're saying right yeah and i, I mean I'm, I'm not <laughs> lying like when everything was like pretty boring to me in legacy I was playing a lot more Brood War than I was playing Legacy, which is just like, that, that's just like the way it works. And it's, uh, I think, so, something for me that I had to really realize, and okay, I guess we, we should like end the podcast pretty quickly because <laughs> I'm, I'm going like pretty deep here. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't enjoy your hobby right now, you can always enjoy it again in the future. If, like, if, if this band announcement is not something you wanted to see, it's not like this is set in stone forever. Wizards going to fuck things up again and you can enjoy it. Well, I hope not. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Don't say that. <laughs> but <laughs> look, this, this is true. But let me say at the same time, this is something that people have put a lot of like their time and energy and effort into. And so at the same time, yes, you do need to be able to sometimes take a step back and think, this is something that I'm not enjoying currently. I should do something else. But at the same time, they don't want to leave it because they put so much of themselves into it. And I think that's a beautiful thing about legacy is people dedicate so much of their time and effort and energy into becoming a deck specialist or what have you. And so I don't think we should just say, yeah, just do something else. There's a balance between these things as well. So um, one of the most fantastic things about today was seeing so many friends on twitter or on facebook whatever saying how excited they are to be playing again like this this last year really did push a lot of people away so um this is one of the best things also to come out of the the thing i've got such a long list of like all my favorite things come out from it it's, i'm losing the end of it but um yeah th- there's a balance between managing how much time you put into the to your hobby if you're not enjoying it but also we shouldn't say that people like should just do something else because I mean, that's not what I wanted to say. Maybe it yeah. came across as that. Um, okay. But I, I think don't be don't be scared because you don't... Enjoy, like, it's okay to not... That, that's what I want to say. That's it's okay to not enjoy your hobby right now. Yeah. It's. I mean, you've probably been enjoying it for many years and there's very few hobbies that radically change in a way that you will never enjoy them again. And even if you do, it's actually liberating to to acknowledge that in the rare occasions that this happens. And like everybody says, nobody really quits, quits magic ever. And yeah, I, that that's why to me, for as much as I hated the way magic has been over the last couple of months, it didn't matter that much to me because everybody calls, talks about like how much they love the community and it's kind of hard to love the community when you don't really get together um, all that much again but then mm-hmm. again we have podcasts we have streams you know that that also makes part of it and i i don't know i, I feel like we've we've arrived to the point where it's getting so much better from here again at least for me i mean it's not like i know that i have friends who are like oh shit i i wanted to play my five color control deck and for as much as i hate that it's not like i'm saying oh i'm i'm right i'm just saying i'm i'm happy right now and that's and the end of the day wizards has no objective way to measure things other than win percentage and happiness and if they see a lot of unhappiness that's just like what's what's happening Mm -hmm. 
Okay, yeah. That's, maybe, that's... maybe I'm not. I'm sure. If I'm, I'm not sure if I'm making sense. I'm, I'm just happy <laughs> that I have you in the show. I told you before the show you, you're going to have to carry this, <laughs> and I think you're doing an awesome job, Callum. So everybody tell Callum how much of an awesome job he's doing. Oh, thank you. Well, on on the the topic of carrying it, we've got one final question or a couple from Eternity Vessel. Yeah. Oh, and, we do. Yes. So I think these are these are cool questions because it's touching on what we sp- spoke about before. One of them is: Does Astrolabe ban also push out Yorian since there's fewer free value permanents laying around to blink? I'm going to say straight up, yes, absolutely. I am... Yes, fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't mind Yorian. For all the positivity I've just tried, tried to spread, <laughs> Yorian is just like, it's the... Up, Yorian is the... Julian, the let people enjoy things. of a five mana card. I, th- I thought it was really cool that there was like a real decision between playing 60 and 80 cards. I, because there's such a stigma against not playing 60 cards. Um, oh, is there? I've never heard about that. No, I know. I'm very well aware. <laughs> so I, I thought what Yorin did is really cool, but basically without Astrolabe, I really, I don't think you'll see um, the the control decks play it. Uh, DMT, it's still still a possibility, but there has to be like a control deck like Snow where Yorin outgrinds it. That has to be like a strong enough part of the format. So I think we'll see DMT return to 60 cards, pretty general stock builds until stuff adjusts. And then maybe if there's like another dominant control that we'll see urine come back there but i'm pretty sure you won't see urine much more don't quote me on that because i'll probably eat a hat by the way i haven't had to eat that hat in search of greatness has done nothing jeff five owed like a <laughs> once with the allure and it's done absolutely nothing so i'm hat free so far i bet he read and read it like in the sidebar just to try to make <laughs> you eat the hat yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay there and honestly if i was working for wizards and I wanted to make them infinite money. I would just tell everybody, hey, you know what? We just decided everybody can play 80 cards and construct it now. So we're going to make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, call it like the, the Yorian rules. The Yorian rules. Well, wait, when do we get like 80, uh, 100 card restrictions? What would that card have to be like? You have to play with 100 um, cards, but you get a, a no-co. <laughs> As a you companion. can play any kind of legend in your sideboard and you can summon it straight from your sideboard and it goes back to your sideboard and you can cast it again for like two extra mana. Does Gaia's Cradle count as a legend? Gaia's Cradle, oh my god. If Gaia's Cradle could be my commander, I, I'd have, <laughs> I'd be the supreme ruler of legacy. All right, so, all right, your your commander is Gaia's Cradle. Good. Let's uh, get Wizard of the Coast to release a uh, legendary Gaia's Cradle snow because it's reserve list. Honestly, it would probably like be the most of insane if Caracas was your was your commander. Oh yeah, because probably, then you'd yeah. always have a land, like a land drop. I don't know if that's crazy. <laughs> I know you're you losing just... me here, man. Okay. Car- carry, carry, Fi- carrying on. Final, final question. Just the follow up to Eternity Vessel's question. I think we actually covered this, so I'll just read it out quickly. Is Icefang Quartal playable at all? And how much of Quartal space in the format will be filled with baleful Strix or nothing because the format has gotten faster? I, we we went over Quartal uh, earlier. We said there's like some positives and some negatives, and I think the effect is good if it has like Death Touch consistently. So my my gut feeling is Baleful Strix is better than Quartal now. Um, yeah, it is very much. Yeah, because the, losing very very much. Yeah, losing Astrolabe is too big. Um, I think there's probably more of a draw to black than green now. It's it's hard to say. Veil is still in the format, so is Uro. So we'll this is to be determined. But I think Baleful Strix is a better card like in a vacuum and without astrolabe we'll probably see see that it's gonna be interesting how much the like mid end game payoffs are gonna be important like you know chase the mind sculptor because a card like 
Cordial, it doesn't need to come down on, on the second turn of that touch. It can come down on the third turn of that touch. But then you're already looking at probably more like a Simic deck. It's kind of hard to make it like yeah. a Bant deck, but even though Bant is by far my favorite card. But if, if the payoffs are going to be worth it, then you will end up playing something like Ice Fan Cordial because Ice Fan Cordial is really the card that lets you ramp into your four mana win condition. And now we circle back again. And that's going to that's gonna be something that I talked to my friend Marius Hausen again earlier today. How much are wannabe control decks going to be able to splash red for Pyroblast? Because Pyroblast is going to dictate how much viable, how viable Chase the Mindscape is going to be. And if everyone and their daughter or whatever it works is going to play <laughs> Pyroblast, then Chase is going to be like a much more of a liability. But if not that many people are going to be able to, to, to be playing Pyroblast, then I'm not so sure how, like, how they're really going to fight. Like, how do you chase... How do you fight Chase outside of Pyroblast? There's not that many ways. Like, nobody really wants to put, like, Pithing Needle on Chase. Like, that's the worst feeling ever. True Name Nemesis? Oh, dude, is that card going to be... Are we gonna I've, be, like, I've the, forgotten the... about that card until now. <laughs> Maybe Ooh, it's like... I mean, there's still Plague Engineer, right? Yeah, true. Which I, I like. It's a nice check to it. We haven't even talked about Elves yet, because Elves didn't lose anything, and it's still, like, one of the top decks in the yeah. format. Elves so Elf is probably similar to Doomsday and uh, Omni tell like it's it's a super good combo deck although you think it's a mid-range deck of course so <laughs> of course it's a mid-range deck what else would it be like, yeah. i don't even know man <laughs> um to wrap up this episode though I, I think taking a step back and like kind of just thinking about what we've said on it we've asked so many questions which is really cool um i know i've, I've said before how the format feels very open and don't really know what's going to happen but the fact that we've been asking each other so many questions we've just basically said i don't really know we have to see uh, leaves a really positive spin on the end of this and the end of today and yeah I'm, I'm just super excited to see what's going to happen you know how how like famous people are always slim they they are just like drunk and i was just like too drunk to actually order pizza because i was like yeah do i really want pizza i don't know man i just like shoot the shit <laughs> with my friend callum from the uk okay. and i didn't I ended up not ordering pizza so i'm like hey i didn't order pizza so maybe i'm gonna become famous again I, i'm pretty sure that's gonna work up so uh, to wrap up the podcast, if you want to support Everyday Eternal, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or supporting us on Patreon. Um, it helps us immensely. And as always, like, the Apple uh, reviews help us immensely push up the algorithms and stuff. You can always follow us on Twitter at EternalMTG. This is where we post any of our pre-show questions and stuff. You can add us to ask us questions uh, as we've done answered your answered questions just now um, for future episodes. Thank you, as always, to our Patreons. Eternal Witness tier is Tommy Hinks, Trent Browers, Testacular, Sebastian Holliger, and Severin. And the Grizzlebrand tier is Victor Bonance, Baju Bats, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Courage, and Tom Hepp. Thank you, everyone, so much for the support. And uh, let's play some Legacy. Goodbye, everyone. Awesome. Shoutouts to Severin because I was just updating our Patreons and I noticed that I didn't have Severin in the show notes. So sometimes people message me and they tell me they don't want to be in, in the show notes about like the people who support us. But I couldn't find a message from him. But I was like, Severin, I don't know why I didn't... like. That's why I didn't put your last name in there. But if you if you don't want to be there, just like shoot me another message. I'm sorry for, for the inconvenience. And yeah, maybe maybe we're, we're going to make a special tier where people can support us with even more money and remain anonymous. We're, go, we're going to charge <laughs> people not to shout out their names. That's what we're going to do in the future. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Everybody have a great time. If you, if you want to enjoy Legacy, this is your day. This is your time. And see you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Okay, <laughs>